0: We started a series last week for Christmas called Unwrapping Christmas because we wanted to talk about what's really important at Christmas time. There's a lot of commercialism, a lot of other ideas and things that people think are going on for Christmas, but Jesus is really at the center of Christmas. And there are some things that really matter at Christmas time. And that's what we started last week. We talked about Christmas being about family. And we looked at the story of the shepherds and saw that when the shepherds got included, it stirred joy in them. It made them want to tell somebody about the joy of being in a family. And uh, just to follow up from last week, uh, there are some pictures that I wanted to show you of minimalist nativity scenes. Uh, so this one is actually made from Play-Doh. Uh, you could substitute Silly Putty, but you could do that yourself this afternoon. You could make your own nativity set if you don't have one out. Uh, here, the next one is some wood blocks that I saw somebody put together. Uh, so it doesn't take a lot to have a nativity scene of going on. And the next one, actually, I hate to say it, but I kind of like this one. Uh, these are just some glass shapes that represent the nativity scene and remind us of, of what Jesus came to do. And then my, my personal favorite because it, I don't know, I, I've seen two different versions of this one. I saw uh, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the angel, or on or hell, uh, but uh, I actually saw another version of this picture that had a pack of camel cigarettes next to it. Uh, so, <laughs> whatever they look like, Uh, There are nativity scenes, manger scenes are part of many people's traditions because they remind us of what's important at Christmas time and that Jesus came. And that's what I want to share today, that Christmas really is about tradition. Last week, we talked about Christmas being about family. This week, I want to tell you that Christmas is about traditions, and traditions are just those beliefs, those customs, those things that we do every year because they are important to us, and one of the cool things about traditions is they actually get passed down to the next generation. We have an opportunity to share with others why things that we do are important. And the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been asking around, just anecdotally, uh, for people at New Life, what are some of the traditions that we do to remind ourselves of Jesus at Christmas time, or just to celebrate with our family? And uh, some of the responses I got over the last couple of weeks, some people said they bake a big breakfast casserole, and uh, at our house, it's cinnamon rolls. You you come down the stairs on Christmas morning, you can always smell the cinnamon rolls going in the oven. So that is a tradition for us. Uh, some other people I heard, they go Christmas caroling. That, that's something that every year they just want to share and spread the joy of Christmas with others. Uh, if you are interested in Christmas caroling, I don't even know if it's happened yet, but Zach Gass is always organizing people to go Christmas caroling. Has it happened yet? No. So if you want to sing, it might happen talk to Zach. He'd love to organize that with you. And uh, Christmas caroling is a tradition for them that they just like to go out and bless people to say, hey, let's remember why Christmas is important. Uh, Some other people told me they pick names for a gift exchange. That is a super idea, which we've gone back and forth in our family. Because how many of you know that as your family grows and you get more people in it, maybe you get kids that married or grandkids, it's hard to keep up with who got a present or not. Like it's very efficient. Maybe that's just me being a nerdy engineer that doesn't want to buy a lot of gifts. Uh, but it's super efficient. If that's your tradition, to pick a name and exchange gifts with somebody. Uh, other people told us that they always open a gift on Christmas Eve. How many of you have that as a tradition? You just get to pick one. Uh, how many of you, the gift that you open on Christmas Eve is Christmas pajamas? Uh-huh. There's a couple hands that went up in the room. That is a tradition I've heard from more than one people. And uh, one of the things that we've always done, I was, I, I had my... My gift that was especially wrapped up here. Uh, we always, we always watch a movie on Christmas Eve together as our family. That's one of our traditions. And I'm holding in my hand for those of you that can't see it. This is the definitive, authoritative version of the Christmas Carol. It is the Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, who? Can, just by a show of hands, who in this room has not seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? You've got to be kidding me! I might be pastoring the wrong church, Uh, so so our house, Christmas Eve, after the service here, we'll we'll have a screening of Muppet Christmas Carol, if you would like to attend, let Pam and I know, there I did it, I just invited everybody in the church to our house on Christmas Eve after the service, it is fantastic, so if you've never seen a Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, come, know me better man, that's the ghost of Christmas present, Heather, Heather always tells us that the ghost of Christmas present in Muppet Christmas Carol is her picture of what the Father God is like, that he's just this big, huge Muppet that looks friendly and warm and inviting, and he's in the room saying, come and know me better, and in her mind, that's a tradition that connects her with God, that she, rem- she remembers, man, this is what the Father is saying, come and know me better. There's always food in my house. There's joy. There's celebration. There's a place to get to know me more. So uh, if you haven't had a chance, and and I'm serious about that, we'll watch Muppet Christmas Carol at our house on Christmas Eve, and if you don't have anywhere to be and you've never seen it, come join us. Um, Holy cow, I might be in trouble later. (laughs) But we've all got family traditions that we do at Christmas time. And why do we do those things? Why are they important? What does it mean to us? Uh, I had a couple ideas of why things are important. Number one, I think traditions have an opportunity to connect us to God. There is something about traditions that remind us of who he is. Uh, When I was a kid, we used to go to Erie every year. And uh, Erie is like pittsburgh's beach right it's it's easy to get to it's not far away uh dad discovered later in life when when he had a little more resources he discovered florida and i don't know that they my mom and dad ever went to erie again but when i was a kid every year we went to erie because my dad loved to fish and it was close and it was not the mon river because dad did his share of fishing in the mon but we never ate anything that he caught out of the river i don't know why that was as a kid, but. Uh, a trip to Erie was a family tradition for us. That was part of our vacation, and we've been back. It's actually much cleaner now, and I've visited some of those spots where Dad used to fish, and it reminds me of him. Like, in that tradition that was established of us going to Erie every year, there's things that are still in my life that I can connect with my dad and his memory, even though he's, he's been gone for uh, 12 years now. Uh, I still have opportunities to remember him because of some of the traditions we established. And uh, there was another family that had an annual tradition of a vacation or a trip that they took, and they were in Luke chapter 2 and verse 41. And it's talking about Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And it says, Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. How many of you know, according to the custom means they had a tradition. There was something that they did year after year. This was a repeated thing that they always went up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Passover. And as I was reading that verse, this is a complete side note to where I want to go in the sermon, but it just hit me. How important would our traditions be if we knew we were only going to get to experience them 33 times? I just, I just had that thought when I'm reading about Jesus went up to Jerusalem every year and it was a tradition that was important to their family, but he knew what was coming down the road, that there was a sacrifice that he was going to make, that this was a tradition that was valuable and important, but he was only going to get to do it a limited number of times. How much more meaning, how much more value would there be in the traditions and the things that we do if we savored every moment of every one of them, because we remembered or knew that they weren't going to last forever. Anyway. That's just a side note. That was free. I'm not going to count that against my time this morning either. Uh, they went to Jerusalem to worship. They went to connect with God. That was how they did it in the Old Covenant. They had to go take their sacrifice to Jerusalem. And so Jesus' family did that every year. This was an annual trip that had meaning and purpose behind it. It wasn't just, hey, let's let's load up the camels and go for a ride, and we'll see where we end up. They purposed to go somewhere to connect with God every year. And uh, in Luke chapter. Chapter two, that is the trip where they famously forgot Jesus. Like they literally were in Jerusalem for the Passover and they packed everything up and they headed out of town to go back home. And they realized that evening, because they, they traveled with a big group, and it was very common for, hey, somebody's taking care of our kids somewhere, and when it's time for bed, we'll gather as a family and we'll see them all. Well, they got a day out of town and they gathered up all the family and they realized Jesus isn't here. Come on, Mary and Joseph, you had one job. Like, take care of the Son of God. Like, and he wasn't there. I'm so glad my mom and dad never forgot me in Erie. <laughs> like That would be traumatic as a kid. It was three days later before they found Jesus. They, they literally had gone a day, they came back to the city, they searched all over. It was three days until they found him. As a parent, I know what it feels like to lose your kid for five minutes. Come on, who's ever had that moment of panic? If you haven't had kids yet in your life, you don't know what I'm talking about. But thank you, Jesus, that you find them. We, oh, it's a bad parent moment. One of our first years in Pittsburgh, we went down to the city and we did the family fun run. It was the the Pirates sponsored it. Uh, it's it's like just a mile. We went around PNC Park and we ran. The family fun run was anything but. <laughs> Because we took Silas, who was eight, nine at the time, and uh, they they had this genius idea that they would run a family mile around PNC Park at the same time that they were running a 5K. So there were like two slightly different routes, but they merged for a little while as you're going, and you just had to know which one you were running. So being the wonderful, awesome parents that we are, uh, Silas was with us, and he said, "'Hey, uh, you guys are slow.'" Can I go run a little bit ahead? Sure, bud, that sounds great. We won't have to run that fast, and he'll get some energy out. We'll meet you at the finish line. So we get to the finish line and we're having a Mary and Joseph moment because our son is nowhere to be found. And we're looking around and and I'm kind of trying to remain like calm, practical engineer, you know, like where should we look next? Where could he be? Maybe he came and he went over there. Pam is in complete meltdown mode, just panic. And she finds the police officer and, and she's like, you know, we can't find our son. He was running the race with us. Where is he? And the police officer says, well, where did you tell him to meet you if you got separated? That would have been a great idea. Like, this was awful. This was the moment of, where is our son? And it resonated with us. And here, what, what had happened is Silas, as he's running ahead of us, he when the when the races merged together for a little bit, he followed the people that were running the 5K and was just like, hey, I'm keeping up with these people because my parents are old and slow. And uh, the, the race we were in ended outside the stadium. The race Silas was in ended inside the stadium. They had a cool finish line to cross, and he crossed the finish line, and then he's like... They can't be that slow. Like he's he's waiting, like he's not lost. He's like, I know exactly where I am. I finished the race and I'm waiting for you guys. Or you like, did you fall in the river somewhere along the way? And so finally we, we found Silas. Thank God it wasn't three days, like like Jesus had to do. But that was what happened for Mary and Joseph. They had this moment of panic. Their their tradition of going down to Jerusalem got disrupted for a moment. But do you know what? Their tradition of going to Jerusalem. Help Jesus establish a tradition of his own in his life. And no, it wasn't ditching his parents. That was not Jesus' tradition that he established. The tradition of spending time in his father's house. I think that started for Jesus in that moment uh, when they found him sitting there in the temple. That's where he was. They came back to Jerusalem. He's there sitting in the temple having discussions with these leaders, these religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It says they were amazed at what he was saying and what he was asking and the conversations they were having. And he essentially told Mary and Joseph, why did you spend all that time looking around the whole city? Didn't you know this is where I would be? So Jesus began that tradition of I'm going to be in my father's house. I'm going to connect with God the same way my parents modeled it for me every year coming to Jerusalem to say, this is an important thing we do to connect with the father. That started in that moment in Jesus's life. If you're a parent or you ever even have the potential of being a parent one day, connecting to a local church and modeling that for your kids is one of the most valuable traditions you could ever start in their life. There's, there is a way, it creates an opportunity for them to start their own tradition of connecting to God on their own and finding out who is he and who is his family, what does this mean and how does it add value to my life. Our traditions help us connect with God. Uh, besides connecting with God, our traditions really do help connect generations. There's something about passing something down to the next generation that is valuable and is important, and it models something for them. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament I just wanted to touch on real quick this morning. How many of you have ever read the book of Esther? Short. You can read it at one setting. You can go back later. Read the whole story. It's really good. But Queen Esther, she was a Jewish person, and she became queen in this atmosphere where people didn't know she was a Jew. She, she was uh, a queen to King Xerxes was the guy. If you're looking for a baby name, Xerxes is not taken very much. So that could be, your child could be unique. And uh, come on, X would be the coolest nickname. Yo, X, like, let's go to the store. So Queen Esther was in this kingdom and King Xerxes was there. And King Xerxes got deceived by this guy named Haman who Haman hated Jews, and I don't know why, but the people that follow God throughout history always get persecuted and attacked. And it still goes on today. But Haman hated Jewish people, and he deceived King Xerxes and got him to sign an order that essentially said, we're going to kill all the Jewish people on this certain day and wipe out their race. And of course, Queen Esther, as a Jewish person herself, she came to know about this plot, and she arranged it for Jewish people to be saved. Uh, her, Her uncle Mordecai, who had helped her get to be queen, he was giving her information about here's what's going on and let's make this plan that we could save our people and, and, and God's in it with us, he's going to deliver us. And they got delivered, they saw the salvation of God. He came through for them, he made a way, uh, actually the, the king issued a second order after Esther kind of let him know what was going on, said the Jewish people have the right to defend themselves. They, they can defend themselves against the people that want to kill them and they can actually plunder them, take all their stuff if they try to attack them. And it was such a big victory that Mordecai, who was Esther's uncle, wrote a letter to all the Jewish people and said, I want to establish a new tradition to pass down from generation to generation how God delivered us. And this is what he wrote to them in Esther chapter 9, verse 22. It says he wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Doesn't that sound a lot like Christmas? or what should be happening at Christmas. It sounds a lot like Christmas, but it was a Jewish holiday called Purim. And that was when it got established. Mordecai uh, let it be known that we need to celebrate and start a tradition to honor God saving us, to delivering us from our enemies. And uh, there are times in your Christian walk where you may want to fast to position yourself to hear from God. January would be a great time to do that. If you want to start the new year off right and put yourself in a position to say, God, I want to hear your voice, you may want to fast. But don't forget the feasting and the rejoicing also. There, there is something in Scripture, last week we talked about it, the good news always produces joy. There was something in it. When God shows up, when he actually comes through, when he does things, there should be feasting. There should be joy. There should be something that stirs in us that we want to tell people. And our traditions have the potential to help future generations, to help them know that God really does come through. Because even after the Jewish people had this great victory, there were times when it didn't go well for them. They got carried off in captivity to other countries. There were were people that oppressed and hated them. And they still celebrated Purim every year, no matter where they were. Even in those times of captivity, they're carried off to Babylon and they're celebrating Purim. Why are they doing that? Because in that moment of tradition, they're reminding themselves, no matter what's going on in our circumstances, God is able to come through. He's done it before. He can do it again. He's with us. We are his people. He's going to deliver us. That's part of the power of traditions. They celebrate to remind themselves that God's a deliverer. And I I don't know what your family situation has been, what your history has been, but I've seen patterns where hardships seem to flow in generational cycles. Have you ever noticed that? It's like stuff that the other generation went through. It has a way of coming around again. And I think what traditions do, it helps future generations overcome something sooner. There are are things that we've gone through in our life that the next generation doesn't have to repeat the same stuff over and over again. There are traditions that we could establish to say, look how good God is. This is what He could do for you. These are the hardships we've overcome in our life and our past. Our family used to be this way, but God intervened in our story, and now we're this way. There are things that we can pass on to the future generations where they don't have to keep going around the mountain that we went around. And how many of you... If you are a parent or a grandparent in this room, how many of you would love your kids or your grandkids not to have to learn all the mistakes you made the hard way? Part of how that happens is through the traditions we establish and what we communicate to them to tell them that God can do this. When God delivers you from something, that is a great time to start a new tradition. I'm going to tell you that this morning. That that is a key in our lives. When we see a victory, when we see God come through, when, when it's been times of hardship and he miraculously brings provision, when there's been a history and cycle of addiction in our family and God breaks it off, whatever it is, when something happens that you see God break through in the middle of your circumstances, it's a time to stop and say, God, we're going to honor you. i got to start some kind of tradition to commemorate this moment of what you just did in my life. And it's not just going to be for me, but it's going to be for the future generations that see my life and need to know that God is real. Wow, we need to tell people about this. That's, that's what it's doing. The best traditions in, in church settings, the best traditions are what we would call testimonies. Come on, that's a very churchy word that you don't hear out in the world all the time, but that is essentially what a tradition that celebrates God is called, is a testimony. We're saying, Jesus, you did something, you've done it before, and you can do it again. That's why we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There's something important about communicating what God has done to other people. Testimonies create an atmosphere and it actually releases an anointing from God to see that miracle that you're talking about happen again. If we keep our mouths shut, there's no faith that's stirred in people. There's no expectancy, like, oh, God, you could do that again. We've had several things recently uh, where Pam has even talked to people and said, hey, let me tell you what happened in this other situation that we just went through and, and how it, God showed up and it changed the story. And just in saying that to them, something happened in their life and their circumstance that went completely against what they had been expecting and how the situation was going. It happened the way the testimony was communicated to them. And they came back to Pam to say, you won't believe this, which of course we will. We we will believe what God does, Right. And and they come back and they're like, you won't believe this, what you told me in that testimony. It happened in my situation. Why is that? It's because there's a tradition. There's a testimony being released that creates that atmosphere and that expectation for it to happen again. God, do it one more time. Complaining will do something similar. I don't want to share how I know that one. That's a very personal lesson for me. But the same, the, the way that testimonies release an atmosphere and an expectation complaining will do the same thing, but you'll get the other results. And I don't know about you, but I would rather cultivate an, an expectation in an atmosphere that says God is able, that, that he is a deliverer, that he's a healer, that he's a provider. Those are the things that I would like people to know from encountering my story. And I, I don't know why. We do it every, every time or we slip back into those moments of complaining. But God, help us to be people that share testimonies of your goodness. What can I start as a reminder that God came and create an expectation in the next generation? That's what we're celebrating at Christmas God manifested himself. He showed up here in the middle of our circumstances of humanity. And the expectation that we have is that he will continue to show up right in the middle of our humanity and our circumstances to come and bring his life and his kingdom with him. Let's celebrate those traditions that leave a legacy for the future of the goodness of God. Traditions connect us to God. Traditions connect generations. I want to share one last thing before we go today. Traditions add meaning to our lives or let me put it this way traditions should add meaning to the things that we do if if you're doing something and somebody asks you oh why do we do this every year and the answer is because we've always done it this way then our tradition may have lost its meaning there there may be something come on don't ever let your traditions become meaningless jesus gave the pharisees and the teachers of the law grief because they were just going through the motions. They they were more concerned about the temple and the, the methods of worship than who they were actually worshiping. And Jesus said, that's not right. Those are dead traditions of men. Let's not let our traditions lose their meaning. The things that we do over and over again should have purpose, should have meaning. It should bring depth to our lives. It should bring an enhancement to the story of what we're going through. They should be special. A great example of this of traditions being special and and things that aren't just ordinary, mundane. This happens when Jesus found himself in Jerusalem again many years later. He'd been there with his family. He had visited many times. But he had gone again for Passover to Jerusalem. And in Matthew 26, he was having a meal with his disciples. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Just like his parents had established a tradition of visiting Jerusalem during Passover, just like Jesus found value in his father's house, he established a new tradition in that moment with his followers. He said, I want you to do this often. And every time you do it, remember me. This was was a tradition where Jesus, we call it communion in the church. That's that's what happens once a month. We celebrate together together. Uh, there's oftentimes we have the elements available for you to receive on the other Sundays, but we do it because it's a tradition that adds value and meaning to our worship and our lives. We do it to experience his presence, to remember him, and to see those benefits come into our lives. Encounters with Jesus always turn ordinary things into extraordinary things come on there was there was nothing special about the bread and the wine it, it wasn 't baked at Oakmont Bakery. <laughs> It wasn't some special vintage of wine that he popped out and said, this is the blood of Christ vintage. You know, Don't use that other stuff. It wasn't special bread and wine. What made it special is the tradition that Jesus just imparted to them and said, this is a holy moment where you're going to remember what I did for you. Every time you do this, every time you come together, this is special because it reminds you of me and imparts my life to you. That's what Jesus does with ordinary, mundane things as he makes them extraordinary. When, if you uncouple traditions from their meaning, they just become dead works. This is, this is why later in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's talking about communion. He says, whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. If you study that out, those, what Paul is actually communicating there is he says, whoever treats communion as profane, or common. If you think it's just bread and wine, then Jesus didn't receive any judgment. Jesus didn't go to the cross for you. If you think it's just ordinary bread, you're not going to get any benefits from taking it. That's what happens when our traditions lose meaning. They become back to being profane or common or ordinary, and we're just doing them because we've always done them. But the moment that we remember, oh, this bread is special because It reminds me what Jesus did for me. When I receive this, I'm receiving his very life. I'm remembering him. I'm remembering what he did for me and the fact that he's with me right now. Another tradition that we do as the Christian church is water baptism. That's part of what we're going to do next Sunday is baptize some people. And again, there's nothing special about this room. The water in the tub, the tub that we put the water in, there's nothing special about that. What makes it special is the faith that is present in that moment as a tradition to say, man, this is a moment where I get to remind myself that my old life is gone, that it's buried in the grave, that I've risen with Christ, and it's a testimony for everybody around me. When when we remember why we do the things we do, That's what gives an opportunity for Jesus to come and make it holy, to make it special, to give it life, to give it meaning. This is why Paul says later to the church in Thessalonica, he says, firmly hold on to the traditions we taught you. Don't let them become dead works. Don't do them just because you've always done them. Firmly hold on to them. Remember why you do them. Let them still have meaning and add value to your life. Let them connect you to the Father. Let them connect you to the coming generations to each other. There are meaning and purpose behind the things that we do. And so what what I'd like to ask us to do this season, this is the action item I have for this week, at least consider this. Start a new tradition this year. Do something that you've never done before to communicate and to remind yourself that God really has been with our family, He's been with me. Now, if you're if you're not in a large family, maybe you're just a single person. That it's just you. Start some kind of new tradition this year to remind you that God is with you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. There is still purpose, value, and meaning in the things that we do if we remember why we do them. And I I don't know what. Christmas traditions, maybe you've got a whole list already that you're like, how could I possibly add one more to that list? Look at one that's already on the list and say, what could we tweak to work God and and remind us that he is with us? And I will say last week's action item was include someone in your Christmas plans. I did my action item earlier today. Uh, if, if you want to come watch Muppet Christmas Carol with us, I just I just include everybody. If you haven't done that homework from last week, if you haven't done that action item, include someone in your Christmas plans. But the the one I want to focus on this week is start some kind of new tradition this year, just to remind yourself of God's goodness. Let's go ahead and stand together. There is something that you don't have to repeat over and over again, but I will tell you there is a tradition in churches this called being born again when when we first realize what jesus did for us when he went to the cross when he rose again that is something that if we embrace it it gives new meaning to everything in our lives how many of you can remember life before jesus like there is something better about life with Jesus. That sometimes it's hard to quantify it to people. Sometimes it's very easy. Man, my life was a wreck and now I'm saved or I, I didn't have peace. I was just worried all the time and anxious and now I have peace in my life. Whatever it is, I just know that life with Jesus is better than life without him. And, and it, it is something that he did that we celebrate at Christmas time, every Sunday with communion. All the things that we do are to remind us of who Jesus is and what he did. And if you've never started that relationship with him, this is a great day to do it. It is as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross was for me so that I could have a relationship with you. In that moment of belief, he gathers you into his family. He comes to make his home with you. He gives his peace to us. So I just encourage you, if you've never done that before, take a moment to do that with him this morning and then let someone know, because that's part of a testimony. That's, that's a new tradition. You could start right there. I'm going to share people, share with people the story of when I met Jesus. Father God, we come before you right now, thankful for your presence in our lives. We ask that, especially right now in this season of Christmas. <laughs> In this season of COVID Christmas, whatever that looks like in the world right now, let our lives be a shining example of your goodness and your love. Lord, reach the world through us. Let us be ones that testify of your goodness, that share stories, and that we do traditions and things that show not only, oh, we've always done this, but that they show and have meaning of your blessings and your goodness in our lives give us opportunities to share stories with others that point them to you God I ask right now that uh, during this week as we prepare for uh, even worshiping you together on Christmas Eve as we prepare for Christmas morning whatever that looks like Lord be present in all of it remind us that you are right there let us never get so caught up in our own schedule or our own plans or agenda that we forget that you are there Lord we love you we honor you We're so thankful that you gathered us together to be your family. Lord, be honored and glorified through our lives. Both right now and even in the days to come, Lord, be made famous through what happens in us. We give you glory now in Jesus' name.